Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. This is one of those strange podcasts where we're two places at once because you currently, happy Friday, are hearing this podcast from the studio and we are not in the studio. We are somewhere on the West Coast of the U.S., somewhere between (laughs) San Francisco and Seattle doing a monster road trip with the cars of the past. Indeed. Guys, if you haven't seen it yet, season nine is now on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. So go to Amazon. By the way, we don't have any control over things that are prime and things that are not. We used to have that control, but Amazon has taken that away from us. But nevertheless, Mm -hmm. seasons one through nine are fully available. If you haven't seen any of them or you want to rewatch, yep. they're all available right up there on uh, on Amazon Prime. If you can't get Amazon Prime in the U.S. or U.K., I will also say this, Canada, by the way, I can't, can't get it posted to Canada. That's a mm-hmm. whole separate thing. If you can't get it U.S. or U.K., Amazon Prime, it is available on Vimeo for everybody international. That's also available there as well. Those links are directly off everydaydriver.com, right there on the main homepage, right below the, the season nine opener that plays. You can hit direct links to those if you'd like to watch season nine. I'm glad it showed up because you know what we're doing? We're currently shooting season 10. It comes out the first Saturday of January, season 10. That is January 1st, I believe, believe 2022. So New Year's Day, crazy enough. Amazing. Guys, thank you for all your support. We're thrilled that we're yeah. f- we're on season 10. It's amazing to think it about. It is weird. We have a couple of great debates that we're diving right into that are both non-North America based. Mm-hmm. We've got O&W in Switzerland who needs two cars. Very cool. And then we've got David N. out in Germany who has two ministers of finance. Did you notice that? I did notice this. He, ha- he has what he describes as a ministry of finance. <laughs> it's a full ministry. Because he has multiple people that are concerned about his finances. <laughs> We will return to the Ministry of Finance later. I'm sure we have to go through, uh, you know, metal detectors and some sort of security to get in there. There is a Ministry of Finance, folks. Going to fight our way through that. But he wants to know: Should he buy a car? Which car should he buy? Or invest the money? And since we are a financial podcast, (laughs) we are going to specify which uh, which index fund to invest in. Absolutely, we will. Owen writes to us, Owen joined us on a pilgrimage trip the last time we went, and he's already asking, like many of you are, are we doing pilgrimage again? Yes, we are as soon as we can. We're hoping for the fall of 2022. Owen drove over. I want, I want to make this clear. He drove over <laughs> from Zurich, where he lives in Switzerland, in his Opel Speedster. Now, if you don't instantly know what that is, that is a slightly General Motors version of the Lotus Elise. It's the Elise with the GM bits, as he it says. Is, yes, and so it has the boxier styling. Mm-hmm. And it has a lower horsepower, different engine in it, but it is the Elise chassis. And he, on a whim during our last pilgrimage, was like, I've got an Opel Speedster. He had it like five minutes prior, and he drove it over from Zurich, yeah. which is one of those things that I, as an American with somewhat of an understanding of geography, but not great, get warped about Europe. Well, we're also in the American West, which yes. the East Coast of the of United States is very much, you know, close proximity. Drive over, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cities are very yeah. close to each other, you know, that kind of thing. But here in American West, things are far apart. Yeah. So he said, We're gonna I'm gonna drive in from Zurich for the pilgrimage trip. And I said, You're gonna do what now? And then I was like, Oh, that's right, that's not that far. <laughs> it's not that Comparatively. Far, yeah. Right. So he, he's doing that. It's less distance than we're doing right now on our road trip. But yeah, anyway, he came true. over and joined us. But now he's writing because um he is just about to turn 40. He has owned 40 cars, and he has said he wants to keep pace 
with a car per year as he ages. So we're looking for cars. <laughs> we are looking for cars. Well, he had written to us with a car debate prior, and we didn't get around to it. So he had gotten some stopgap cars. He says for his sports car requirement, which meant the Opal Speedster. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be a sniper shot, he says. Suits his requirements for feel, lightness, handling, and simplicity. And then he had an incident in 2020, autumn 2020, where another driver damaged it, resulting in an insurance payout that means the car owes him only Mm $5,000 or 5,000 euro. It's ratty and worn. It's 165,000 kilometers on it, drives great, and stays around for the foreseeable future as, hands down, the best car he's ever owned. Not only did he drive it from Zurich, then he promptly tracked it on the ring for a few laps because, you know. You're there. You have the car. Why don't you? Mm -hmm. And then he drove it home. Amazing. I, I love this about our, our partners RSR over there is because he came over and not having ever driven the ring before, he did what everybody on our pilgrimage trip did. He rented a car for the ring. Right, right. And he drove it for a few laps. And he really, if memory serves, he drove a Civic Type R, which is obviously totally different sure, than sure. the Opal Speedster and thoroughly enjoyed it. And then he asked the RSR folks, how do I get my car on track? Well, he's paid all the entry fees to be there and there was nobody else scheduled for the Civic Type R. So they said, take the track approval sticker off the windshield of the Civic Type R and put it on your Opal Speedster and go on out. They're great. So he had a great time. Of course, all of that's f- fully legal, and he had an amazing time with it. But he, I, I love 40 cars. That's and astounding. the Speedster is the best car he's owned. Keep that in mind. Well, he does send us a list of some of the highlights, including mm-hmm. a 911 SC, a BMW 325i. He's owned an NA Miata. Yep. He's also owned a BMW 840i. I love that. An M5, an E39 M5, an RS4 Avant. He's had a Maserati by Turbo. Terrible car, wonderful occasion. So that means when it ran, he loved it is the subtext there. I love that. He's had a Jaguar XJ40 from 1990, Golf GTI. So he's had many of the everyday driver greatest hits, but many of the European flavors of the everyday driver greatest hits. Well, I love that on this list, two cars that you wouldn't think would make the highlight list is an original Mini. 1,200cc original Mini and a 100-horsepower Fiat Panda is also on his highlight list of 40 cars. So keep that oh. in mind. He likes light stuff. I love that, well, though. That's check great. it around. It's fantastic. Any car yeah, can make the highlight sure. list when you're, you know, hooning it. Yeah. <clears throat> Nevertheless, the Speedster stays. That's not the car we're replacing. Mm-hmm. He wants to replace the other two cars in the regular fleet. So full disclosure, he has six cars total, but three are not relevant for this debate as two live in Ireland and are used when they're visiting family. And mm-hmm. the last yeah. is a very cheap project car. He's going to mess with his kids. You know, he's going to teach them on We're it. We're going to work on it. It's yeah. Fine. So first up, they need a family car to replace the 2014 BMW X1 2.0. Okay. It's the second X1 that they have owned. First was a diesel they had for two years, and now the gas version they've had for four years. Enough of the X1s, he says. Mm -hmm. He says no more. He fully turns (laughs) us away from that. So this is the family car. He's got two kids, age six and four, and is driven by his wife 90% of the time. The budget is up to $45,000, and it will be a lease for five years deal, or 45,000 Swiss francs. Whatever, yes. However that's working. Depending on the currency. He's floated a Kia Stinger a few times, but it has not gone down well. (laughs) Okay. It's right. good to know. It's be bigger than the X1, specifically in terms of rear seat and trunk space. Okay. It needs to be all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive because of the Swiss winters mm-hmm. and less than 5 years old so they can get it on lease. Okay. And also nothing electric. His wife hates silent vehicles. Isn't that interesting? All right. It's okay. so funny, but he Roman says she doesn't really care about cars but has always wanted a Land Rover, a Range Rover, but doesn't like Cayennes or Macans and doesn't like silent vehicles. She does care about cars. She, well, she she's not car obsessed but she knows what she likes that's this true. is what's clear that's she, true it's not that cars are something she's all that interested in but she's absolutely one of those people who just goes nope that's not for me 
Uh, okay, fair enough. Well, Owen doesn't mind dealing with cars of questionable reliability. <laughs> this is true. You you had an 840i. Everything's off the table. Yeah. <laughs> when you've owned an 840i. It's all relative, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he says, recent Land Rover products really have a bad reputation that's giving him the sweats. <laughs> okay. Recent Land Rover products? I thought going back to 05 or 04, you know, the, the early, early 2000s. was a horrifying era, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Why has that gone on for so long, Land Rover? I'm mm. asking Land Rover. <laughs> why has this gone on? It's continuous. And it just seems like we see a lot of them around Park City, but they must all be leased too. We see Velars, we see the Range Rover autobiographies, we yeah. see all the fully loaded ones, yeah. and never do they have any dirt. They just have the usual road kind of grind. You're right, you're right, yeah, yeah. But they don't have any serious mud. Why is that? They're one of the world's supposed premier vehicles. <laughs> I have a neighbor who traded his Macan, Owen, mm. for a brand new disco. Okay. He had a Macan. He put 134,000 miles on it. He just thought, all right, it's getting up there in mileage. I want something different. Traded it in. Got a new disco for about $70,000 US. Okay. Loves it. I was going to ask, what's he think? I see him cruising back and forth all the time. It's in that olive green with the mm-hmm. white top. Yeah, yeah. It looks great. Mm-hmm. looks spectacular. And he says he loves it. He, All my neighbors, you know, when <laughs> when you have so many cars coming and going as we yes. do, they just get a new car and instantly pull in my driveway. And like, <laughs> hey, check it out. What I got. Let's hey, talk. Paul, car, 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 car. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's good stuff. So he just, he got it and pulled right in and went, okay, you got a new Land Rover. Great. Love it. So he likes it a lot, but they're new. Mm-hmm. Any car new is pretty reliable. Should run pretty well. Yeah. It's after the first six months, three months, year. Yeah. Then we start seeing how things are. But yeah, Land Rover, you, you want to lease those. And I hate that it continues. Mm-hmm. When does Land Rover ever get back to a place where it's, yeah, Ford, Chevy, and Land Rover. They're all they're just going to run, right? <laughs> well, but here's the other thing going on, is if you look at the tracking of the last decade or so of reliability, like number of incidents, Land Rover has been at the bottom of the list that entire decade. But what's interesting is- A couple is, of decades. Yes, what's interesting is the list in general has gotten more reliable. Like the whole industry has got more reliable cars than a decade ago. It's just Land Rover is still trailing the pack. So that means that Land Rovers are now more reliable than they were, but they're still at the bottom of the list for reliability. But it's an escalator. Everybody's gone Everybody's up Everybody's moving. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, Owen says that let's assume that whatever new car needs to be X1 level of driving position or higher. Okay. So what should they be looking closely at? His initial list includes a BMW X5, the 4.0e, okay. the Mercedes GLC 43 AMG, which we like a lot. That is a good one, yeah. yeah. Or the Alfa Romeo Stelvio 2.0. That's the 280 horsepower version. Mm-hmm. Not the big quadrifolio that has right. the, all the goodness. Right. So we'll, we'll move on to car two right mm-hmm. now. Let that marinate. The budget for the car number two is also $45,000 max. This does replace the least... Fiat Panda Twin Air 4x4. Okay. He's done the time on this, even if it's, he says it's less to lease than his monthly phone contract. That is a, yeah. That's an affordable car right <laughs> you there. You want to yeah. give those away. Mm-hmm. So it's time to reward the self-flagellation because he's been all around the car spectrum in terms of ownership, front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. What is it? Front engine, mirror engine, rear-wheel drive, how many cylinders, low horsepower to high horsepower. And he's also in his driving homework, has driven the new RS6 Avant and the 4.0 Boxster Spider. Mm-hmm. He reached this Zen moment of clarity that he describes. <laughs> he, came, it, he came straight after he drove the Speedster, his Speedster, the Boxster Spider, and a friend's SC Speedster back-to-back over the same two Alpine passes. Interesting. That's a fun day right oh there. Gosh. Man, oh, man. Talk Can we come on your drive. pilgrimage trip? Anyway, sorry. No separate kidding. thing. 
Before this moment, he was convinced he was going to buy a manual. He says there are some available in Europe with a stick. But the Alpha Julia Quadrifolio. In manual. A manual quadrifolio. Where is that car here? But anyway, yeah. So after that drive, the long-awaited dawn finally broke. He says where he does the majority of his driving and has fun in Switzerland does not really suit a high-powered, high-traction, tall-geared machine. Mm. He enjoys tight, bumpy, twisty, smaller passes even more than the big, wide sweepers. But with the right car matched to this stunning environment, he's unlikely to ever get anywhere as good to drive. I think you're right. And you understand now why that Opel Speedster runs with anything he puts it with and why he loves it so much. It's perfectly suited to not only his driving interests and proclivities, but also his environment. He he wants the car to feel like it's having to work. Oh, yeah, sure. Not bored by the rate of progress unless it's being antisocial or illegal or some sort of combination of Mm -hmm. both. Yeah. He likes to carry the speed limits of the road-ish through the bends. I've heard that Switzerland is quite strict. Yeah. So I love love to hear the story from you, Owen, where you're doing the speed limit-ish because I have heard some, like, militant discussions of speeding in Switzerland, but onward. See, yeah, radar detectors are quite irrelevant because of all the speed traps there, the speed cameras. Nevertheless... I wouldn't be surprised if the radar detector's illegal. Yeah, it might, might yeah. just be flat out illegal. Nevertheless, so he wants the, the, you know, the bends and the straights in between, those are just transit time between the really good driving. And so he wants a responsive and accurate front end, but a playful and loose rear end. Okay, like it. He's managed to get the speedster set up to, to perform that way. And he says the smiles are broad and the cackles upsetting to the Steinbach. That is a wild goat that inhabits the Alps. With with huge horns. Huge horns. Yeah, you, I, I don't know how much you really want to upset the Steinbach. Do they, do they go for cars? Because the speedster's the little. I mean, the, the speedsterverse is one of those. That's actually kind of, I'm not sure how to call that. Yeah. <laughs> so this new car must continue to give him as much of this feeling as possible, given it has some extra requirements being asked of it. He wants rear-wheel drive, manual transmission with a balanced chassis, limited slip differential for dynamic and winter conditions, Definitely fun characteristics and as much steering feel as possible. Okay. When he's coming out of a speedster, well, that's a Everything is going to be less, just so you know. It's all downhill from here. It is less. Yeah. As he's got the dedicated two-seater, he needs this to be a two plus two minimum. And with the idea that it sticks around for four or five years, Mm -hmm. it should be able to handle kids up to 12 years old into the rear seats. His kids are not leggy. His wife's five foot three. He's six foot. So no need for anything huge necessarily. Mm -hmm. And most of his driving is winding B roads and passes around Switzerland. This sounds fun. It sounds amazing. So there's an extra requirement here, though, that he writes to us with. It needs to be somewhat comfortable for the odd long trip, Mm -hmm. as he's recently been doing seven-hour single-direction trips to and from Germany and France. This is likely to continue to be a regular occurrence one to two times a month. Mm. So some serious road trips, serious mileage. He does go alone on those trips, but he said... Just for frame of reference, he normally does them in the Speedster. Oh, my gosh. So he says, I want it to be comfortable, but comfortable is relative. When I'm already doing this in the Speedster, almost everything else is more comfortable than that. Even though I, I, you know, I don't remember because I got in his car briefly. I don't remember if it's got the same seats as I do in the Elise. Because the one good thing about the Elise seats is once you're in, there's no extra space for you, but they're surprisingly comfortable. You're, you're good for a while. it's not yeah. really the place you want to do a seven-hour drive. Wow, man. So what Owen has done is put his name down at his local Toyota dealership. You have saw it coming for a mm-hmm. GR86 in Neptune Blue. Like it. Is he right or is he wrong? Mm. Should he just get a four-year-old BMW N2 instead? 
or stand or just, you know, the competition is over budget, he says, or is that already too heavy, too powerful, too numb? Is he missing something completely else that he needs to consider? And he said, ideally, he would drive the new GR86 and M2 back to back once it finally arrives there in Switzerland. But supply issues, he might just need to commit early if he wants to get one before the end of 2022. Interesting. Okay. And both, he mentions, are likely in the forty to 45000 range over here. So. so a used M2 or a new GR86, <laughs> roughly the same price point. Fascinating. Oh, and what I like about your, your part of this is uh, you're giving us so much great detail, and thank you, man. But I'm, I'm reading along, and I'm two-thirds of the way through the discussion for you. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking, I wonder about an 86. And then you say, this car must be a 2 plus 2. And I go, oh, the 86. Yeah. And this must be more comfortable than my Speedster, but you still want rear-wheel drive and limited slip diff and all that stuff. I was like, you need a GR86. And then you just come and bring the wood with the, by the way, I've got my name down for a total <laughs> GR86. So I do think that is a fantastic <clears throat> choice. I think that may be the right choice. You might be done there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to completely 100% back your choice there because I think you would love it. And the driver you are, I say this as an Elise owner, the driver you are, I think, would feel like the 86 is the right amount of grand touring for you, but then does all yeah. your, your back roads like you want. I have some other things I want to talk about, but I want to just completely agree with you that the GR86, I think, would do exactly what you want. I do have some options. Oh, and I'm in full agreement. And I've never been fully sold on the GR86, well, the 86 in general, until it became a true sports car, in my opinion, Mm. under the GR banner. It became part of Toyota's racing program. They have told us flat out that they are going to be introducing more GR cars, Mm -hmm. which speaks specifically to the enthusiast community. They're fully committed to enthusiasts, thanks to Akio Toyota who brought that car under his wing and made the reason for the delay. Do you remember when the BRZ came out and we all scratched our heads and said, what's going on? Where's the Toyota version? Mm -hmm. It's because Akio Toyota said, this isn't good enough. If it's going to be a GR car, there need to be changes made. Yeah. And they, they backed off. The entire company did a select six months a collective later. gulp and went, uh oh. Yeah, or more. Yeah. Because, you know, we thought, well, they're pretty much the same car. You know, why wouldn't they get introduced together as the pair? Mm-hmm, Here's mm-hmm. a little bit of styling difference, and yeah, that's about yeah. it. It's uh, my understanding. We have not yet driven the BRZ up to this or, point. Or driving them back to back, which is key. We want to do that. We do, but it's our understanding, and having been told by Toyota that it is a different car, and it's a true GR car. So it has. And I've felt that on track. I felt that on canyons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of season ten for us. And so I come come in going, I'm sold. Mm-hmm. And especially for the price, it really is an astounding car. The one holdback that I have with it is your road trip element. Mm-hmm. For most people, it wouldn't really be the answer mm-hmm. because it isn't mm-hmm. that great. You know, just straight line. You're going to be pretty bummed that this is what you get. You know, the car is telling you, I want to be on Canyon Road. I want to be driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah driving curves. And if you're just cruising along, it's going to be a bummer, but you're not most people. Exactly. You have a speedster, exactly right? You've he done, done it with it a speedster. A speedster. Yeah. It will feel like a barge. It will feel like an Aston Martin in comparison. It will. You're right. He, he, he bought himself a vantage. This is Owen's perfect vantage. It is it's very funny. Yeah. So therefore I am full, full agreement. I love that car for you, but I did see the new M 240 I starts at 48,000 Swiss francs. Mm, okay. I was thinking Supra. No, not manual. I do love those. Mm-hmm. But then that new M240, it's got a longer wheelbase. And I believe, without having driven it yet, as much as we love that two-series coupe, mm. 
that could be an interesting option. Just if you want to investigate that mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the GR doesn't come through or, you know, a, a yeah, number of yeah, reasons, yeah. things could change. Right. But that is certainly a viable option. Now you're paying more for it, of course, mm-hmm. but I think that could be an amazing new option and it's a newer car. I say I'm almost of the mindset to recommend that over an M2 M2s are spectacular, but this, even with less power, I bet you dynamically speaking that it's going to be brilliant and still a better car with a longer wheelbase for yeah. those trips. I, I, I so love that you went there. Don't ignore that new M240i. It's already on um, mm-hmm. BMW.ch, so the, the uh, Switzerland BMW Switzerland, mm-hmm. and they have it in that eggplant, that metallic, oh, weird gosh. eggplant. There it is. Yay. It's interesting that you Just went there because I had similar thoughts, and that is big thing here, Owen, is the M2 is too much car for what you need. All of your discussion so about, yeah. you're worried about it being something being numb, you're worried about it being too big, you're worried about it having too much power and grip to be fun at low speeds. Those are all going to be more true with the M2 than you want them to be. Mm-hmm. It's a great car, but I. it's interesting because you went for the new uh, M240. Yeah. My, my yeah. big comment to you, Owen, was going to be start stepping down in the 2 Series lineup in performance cars until you get the one that is the right combination. You might be all the way down in the four-cylinder with the manual. Sure, the, sure. That was the 228 in the prior version. I'm not sure what it is now, but th- that's the thing. You might be all the way down there because that's got similar power now to the GR86, but it has the BMW interior, mm-hmm. so you might mm-hmm. like that better for the cruising. But now you actually have to get that turbo motor to work for itself and move the car, but it's got a light front end, and it's got good feel, and you can get it in manual. I think you need to step much lower in the two-series lineup to find the right car. If you go for that alt, and I have one wild card. Oh, okay. I don't like it as much as these other two because it's older, and you're talking about leasing stuff, and I don't think this is. there's no chance this is possible. But the only 911 you've had, the only Porsche you even listed, was an old SC. True. You need a 997. 997 is not brilliant. This is 05, 06 to like 2012. I mean, okay? can, you, can you get those in the forty to $45,000? I'm sure you can. Or Swiss I'm sure you can. I mean, you're not going to get the nicest, best one, fire-breathing one ever, but go get yourself a standard 911, 997 with the six-speed manual, and I think it will do all mm. the two-plus-two stuff, but then you could hammer across the continent in that car and love it. Now, the problem there is why it's wild card is that is obviously a significantly older car than everything else we're talking about. So I don't know that it works. But you, you haven't had a big Porsche lineup, and I'm just thinking that's the 911 that will speak to you, Owen. That's the right one for you. Sure, for sure. Well, there's also the four to five years. That's on the wrong side of leasing. Absolutely. Leasing helps yeah. when it's one to two to maybe three years. Yeah. Beyond that, you've overpaid for the car. That's you know four to five years out. That's when you want to really consider buying. So if that truly is the deciding factor, I do love the Porsche for you. Mm-hmm. But then if you're going to back it off and lease it, or you do have the option to buy out the lease, sure. you know, yeah. therefore. But I wouldn't lease for four years or or longer than that. That's just you yeah. know I, I'd buy out the lease at, the, at that point if if you love the car, but. It's an interesting option. Let's jump to car number one, mm-hmm. backing off for the family. I went digging. Okay, I good. do love your options, and I'm backing you fully on that Mercedes GLC. Those you've, are so good. You've been with BMW. We, you know, Let's say the Toyota GR doesn't come through, and you get an M240 or something like that. You'd already have a BMW, mm-hmm. and you're done mm-hmm. with the X1s. Let's get you out of a BMW SUV. I like that. And into that Mercedes. And that GLC 43 is so delightful to drive and it's not the big engine and it's, it's still not. great 
Yeah. It's almost the one I would take over the big ones, even though I mm-hmm. do want the bigger ones. <laughs> and they still do have the 63, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But still, that 43 is just the right combination of power and balance. It feels light. It mm-hmm. feels fun. It feels like an oversized hot hatch, not a degree, yeah. small SUV. There's yeah. a difference yeah, yeah. in that kind of feeling. Still 384 horsepower, something like that. It had plenty. V6. The thing moves. That's the one I recently got my speeding ticket just over 18 Yeah, that ago. happened. Yep. And I, <clears throat> the police officer was not really believing, you know, well, I'm a journalist and I, I need to be testing these. And he's like, well, you can test them at 65. I wonder if it was the same officer that pulled me over a few weeks prior. It might have been. They it were working been. this section of road yeah. here, nevertheless. Because yeah. I told him the same thing, but before you. So I think by the time he got to you, he might have thought, this is now a line. <laughs> it's, it's not. He just happened to find the two guys that work for the same <laughs> hey. show in this area. Yeah. So, yeah, I just got the speeding ticket. But it was worth it because it was so good. I mean, they're they're built for those roads yeah. in Europe, yeah, yeah. Owen. And I, I love that option. But if you're wanting to save and back it off a little bit, this is going to sound strange. Of everything I've looked at, I thought about French cars. I thought about, mm, mm. you know, even Ford sells the Explorer there in okay. Switzerland. Yeah. But Kia sells the Sorento too. Oh, interesting. That's a world car. Yeah. It is. And because this doesn't have to do the fun things necessarily. It has to do mm-hmm. the useful things. Mm-hmm. And it has to do kid duty. And it needs to just run and be there for you. The reason I suggest it is because of the design. Because it's so compelling, it's so interesting and different. And I don't know if the X-Line package is offered in, in Europe. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But the Sorrento on there, it starts, I believe, around 49,000 Swiss francs. However, I think that would be a compelling choice because of the warranty and because hopefully you could lease one right away. But I like that for you. I was thinking, you know, Telluride, but that's that's a, a North American thing to my, to my knowledge. And so the Sorento, it's got a lot of space, and it's just clever. Everywhere you look, it doesn't need to be the fast thing. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be the the powerful, fun-to-drive thing, even though it is actually pretty good. But it just needs to have all that trunk space, the family hauling duty, and it needs to be reasonable Mm -hmm. in every aspect of ownership. And so I suggest this for you because it's available. I think it's interesting. The design is compelling, and every feature is just so useful it's just so yeah it's well, well thought through well that's what makes it compelling to me for families i like this you and i've got some other we're doing alts for owen and i like that because owen you already are thinking really well look there's nothing wrong with the x5 it's impressive but i agree you've had a string of bmws let's leave them uh you've already mentioned the glc paul because it is very good i actually wonder though because you're talking about more room than the x1 I think the GLC is a little bit more room, but I wonder if you guys are going to need the GLE and if that's out of your price point. I'm just I'm kind wondering. of wondering if the yeah. GLE is really the size that you need because the Stelvio and the GLE are the same size, as is the X5 and the GLE. Those are the same size. Right. So I don't right. know if the GLC is big enough. The problem with the Stelvio, which I really like, is that the interior compared to everything else you're talking about is only okay. Especially for that price point. Exactly. It doesn't feel and like it's, a, step it's, up. it's an okay interior. And yeah. you're also talking about it being down on power versus a lot of the other things you're discussing. So I think, I think the Stelvio probably doesn't win, which is a little bit too bad. I've got a couple other alts for you beside the GLE. One is, go look at an XC90 Volvo. It's good. You can't swing that. Look at the XC60. But both of those surprise yourself with how good the powertrain is if you get the big T8, mm-hmm. which is the everything mm-hmm. powertrain. Sure. It's the sure. four-cylinder with the turbo and the supercharger and the hybrid system and the all-wheel drive and all, all the, the bells and whistles and yep. a fantastic interior. Yep. You've described it before as jewelry, Paul, and it's absolutely right. Great interior in the, in the Volvos. Look at those. Then I had this thought. Mm. 
you're really trying to get your wife to get a, a Kia Stinger. And it seems like the reason that idea died is because she wants an SUV ride height. But that got me going True. on Korean cars and made me land at Genesis GV70 or 80. Oh, those are good. Now, I don't know where the prices are going to work for you. I don't know how easy it's going to be to get those cars, but they are sold in Europe, both the 70 and the 80. GV70 and 80 are both sold in Europe. I think the GV80 is what you're going to want for space, but the GV70 looks phenomenal, is obviously a step down in price. I think you would shock yourselves with how good those are. I mean, I'm I'm thinking, I love the suggestions. I'm just wondering if they're in, are they even close to 45,000 though? I, I think is the, my question. the GV70, I think would be possible. The GV80, I, I don't think so. Those are up so. there. I, don't I mean, so, the, yeah. the reason I, I mean, I love them. Like mm-hmm. I said, but yeah. Kia Sorento start at 49. Yeah. Brand fair, new. Fair, so, fair. I mean, I we're, love we're the Volvos too. We're at the upper, well, but, and here's brilliant. The, the grand, the grand twist here is the fact that Owen's talking about budget in total dollars, but then he's going to turn around and lease it where deals right. totally change. Right. So I don't know how all these lease deals are going to work. You may surprise yourself with some of these, but I'm going to say Genesis GV70, GV80, Ooh, and then cool. I'm going to throw out one thing real quick. I'm just going to throw it out there, Owen. I'm just going to say it. You've had a lot of car experience. You've had a lot of questionable car experience, 840i. You've had a lot of things that you've just kind of rolled the dice on. If you're leasing, why not try a Range Rover? If you really are leasing for really? a few years, because really? because it, it, it is, uh, let's say it's disastrous. Let's just say it is. And I don't think it necessarily will be, but let's say it's disastrous. It is the least frustrating way to have an unreliable car because it's still I, frustrating. I suppose. But if you're going to try it, here, here's the thing that happens. Look, there's two things that happen here. If you get one and it's great, then you you actually offset your own stressor because it is a lease. And you can always get a loan if there's a problem, but it, and it's also going to go back. There's all those things that you can avoid. So you take away the stress from you. But if it ends up being great, then your wife got her Range Rover experience, and you get surprised. If it ends up being terrible, you have an exit strategy. She still got her Range Rover experience. Well, that, now, now you both know from firsthand experience, not just hearsay, and you still have an exit strategy. So I'm wondering, leasing feels to me like the safest way to try a Range Rover out if you really are interested. But I hope one of these alts works too. My friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well. But I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. David N. writes to us from Germany. He says as of mid-November 2021, he will have hopefully earned his master's degree in engineering okay. and will start as a trainee with a salary around 50000 a year in December of 2021. Well, look at you. David, Life's, congratulations. Life is set off well. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. For the past six years, he's 25 years old now. He drove a 2008 Ford Focus 1.6 with a whopping 116 horsepower. And now he wants to change to something a lot more fun. New job, more fun. Yes, absolutely. M- new job, money to buy something fun. Yeah. Let's dive in. Yeah. 
Well, his focus is becoming increasingly annoying in the sense it develops new noises and rattles all the time, so it's got to go. Okay. He has accumulated 24 to 29,000 euro to spend, still leaving 10,000 euro in his bank account to buy a new car. By the way, David, we, we don't require quite this much financial transparency when you write to our podcast, but you have just laid it all. You've almost given us account numbers. It's like, by the way, the account is here in this, in this bank. Help me spend. Yes, exactly. I love it. Well, he's now down the choice for his next car to two alternatives within his budget. First of all is the 2020 Ford Fiesta ST edition. Okay. The second choice is the 2021 Hyundai i20N Performance. Those are both superb choices. They really are. They're really good. That, that, that just comes down to which one hits your eye better. Yeah, to some degree, really. yeah. He loves small, fast cars, and he's also got this problem of the Focus barely fitting in his 1970s garage for some reason. <laughs> That's a small garage. <laughs> That's a small garage. So his girlfriend's 2010 Fiesta with 240,000 kilometers is always parked in there. Okay. Now his Ministry of Finance. The big building with the security. With the flags front, and the yes. gate. And all the cars have that. Look at our Minister of Finance shirt. All the, all the cars have the flags in the corners. They're serious. Are there that. stone lions out front? You know there are. His well, no, actually, they were going to be, but they were too expensive. They took them out. They took them out. They were like, we're not doing stone lions. We're this not, is the Ministry of Finance. We're not paying for stone we're not lions. Wasting that. We're, we got to get guards out front. We can't Hi. have stone lions. The guards will be the stone lions. That's right. It'll be perfect. They're stone-faced, at least. So his girlfriend and his mother have encouraged him to go ahead and treat himself to a new car. His Swabian mentality, though, tells him to take the money and invest it into an index fund and keep driving the focus. Uh, <laughs> um, David? Don't be financially responsible. Do you know what podcast you wrote to? Are you are you aware? This is the Money Focus Podcast. Yes, exactly. Now, on the other hand, he fell in love with the Fiesta and the Hyundai, and he went. He wants something exciting as his everyday car. Yes, we want you to. He really wants to drive one last cool manual car before going electric in a few years. May I stop right there, David, mm-hmm. and ask you why? What is the thinking behind, well, this is the last gasp. We're never getting cool, fun manual cars anymore from here on out. Better get it while I can before the inevitability. I mean, Germany is leading the charge and is claiming an awful lot of strictness toward the electric changeover. But again, it's not going to be a light switch. It's not going to be suddenly only EVs are on the road. And David, you don't know what your financial situation will be like or what your garage will be like. What if you're able to do one small electric car for a commuter and another Mm -hmm. fun internal combustion engine car of some sort for tracking? You're in Germany. You've got the Autobahn. You've got the Ring. And we're talking 10 years from now, too, when all these mandates are are supposed to happen. At minimum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to not... uh, don't, don't throw in the towel yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't throw in the towel, but don't be depressed by this, what, what is perceived as this looming thing, this dark cloud of, well, we, you know, no more fun, even though we've identified as the skateboard platform, we'll suck all the joy out of living. <laughs> the world will have no more color. <laughs> it's all just a giant Taos. Anyway, yeah, okay. Electric Taos. Ooh, there you go. Can't wait for that one. Now, he also wants something new. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother him for a few years. I like that. That's very good. Well, because you've driven the focus until you have all those things that are that are the reality of old used cars. That rattles. That doesn't work. That you have to shake. Oh, that's nor- that noise is normal. That's just used car ownership. <clears throat> right. And so to, to get into something where it's just like, oh, what does this do? Run. That'd <laughs> right. be nice, wouldn't it? Right. So the question is, should he treat himself to a new car he knows will make him happy? Or should he invest the money? And buy something new once his focus dies in a few years. Mm. Your focus might not die. It might keep going. Well, and the other problem with driving until it dies 
is what's your definition of that? When do you stop putting money into it? Because that's the other part of it. It dies on the side of the road, but any car that dies on the side of the road, you could fix it. Theoretically. Yeah. And so the secondary yeah. problem is that when car, this is, this is the, the danger, and I know this is reality because I've driven cars like this, the old abandoned car. If a car dies on the side of the road, typically it's never at the right moment. If it's really dead, right. this is not the moment you plan to buy a car. And That's now you're true. scrambling, and now you need a car, and then you end up buying. Many of you have written us with this story. You end up buying the wrong car because you needed something. True. Driving things till they die is precarious. One last note. David writes to us, the Fiesta ST edition will be out of stock soon, and the Fiesta is receiving a facelift, making it look hideous. <laughs> How do you mm. feel about it, David? This is a problem. Mm-hmm. We understand. And thanks for making our, his long drives and focus bearable with the podcast. David, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, man. That's really, really cool. appreciate it. Well, first of all, I do want to speak about insurance. I don't know what your insurance rates will be over yeah. there. If you've actually checked against either the Fiesta or the Hyundai, if you've kind of matched those up, talk to your insurance agent and see what will that do to your insurance? Because of course, tax title and registration and mm-hmm. the, the new insurance cost, things will bump up a bit. Mm-hmm. So be careful of that, but just know that going in, you have a new salary, you've got a new job. Theoretically, you're going to be pouring all your money towards your cars. (laughs) But my question for you, David, is can you buy something new and be satisfied with it for a while? You said you don't want Mm -hmm. it to bother you, Mm -hmm. but will you Mm. bother it? Okay, that's good. Are you going to be, you're you're a car obsessed, you're a car freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to want to buy some kind of tuned, some kind of part, new rims, new brakes, suspension, tires, wheels, new seats, shift knob. Anything for you know what performance I could do. upgrade. <laughs> hey, yeah. the cattle. Oh, and they're having a sale. And could you not bother it, David? Mm. Will you leave it alone? Restrain yourself from dumping parts onto whatever new car you get to make it do what? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to turn it into a Yaris GR? <laughs> yeah. I'm asking. Fair. Because you get something new and you're going to be delighted with it. And then the guild will be off the lily at some point. True. True, true. Yeah. The, yeah. The honeymoon will be over. Mm-hmm. You'll think, okay, new car. That was into, fun. Into paying for it. And I've need, I would like to have a little bit more speed in the left lane on the sections of Autobahn that aren't under construction. And I would like <laughs> to take it to the ring and I would like to extract more power out of it. And that's my question for you. Can mm, you good. leave well that's enough good. alone? If you can, I do love either option for you. And like we said, both choices are so delightful. Yeah, they're good. Which style do you like better? They both drive incredibly well, and it comes down to I like that feature and that mm-hmm. seating position is a little bit better. I like the sight lines, and boy, that styling really hits me right in the eyes. I like that. It looks better to me. Buy that car, yeah, and only yeah, yeah. you are going to be able to make that choice because there's no real clear winner between mm-hmm. those two. Yeah. I, I want you to maybe look around. I, I don't know if you're into French cars at all. I, I, I don't know. Maybe mm. there's some really great choices in Germany. You could get into something, but with your budget at this point, it almost doesn't matter what you get. We're talking about the expenditure versus saving. And I will say, contrary to everything we've said on the podcast, you won't mind yourself if you put some money aside and you talk to an investment broker mm. and you're able to save something and you've got something saved up for a wedding, a vacation, a Mm -hmm. nest egg, the next car. You've got a little bit of padding in your savings. I'm not saying, I'm not taking the choice where you just invest all the money and go be sad in your focus because you have a new job. (laughs) I want you to 
have a fresh start. Yeah. yeah I want yeah. you to get something. So I am with the ministry of finance. I'm with your girlfriend. I'm with your mother to go treat yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that generally, genuinely within this budget, then I say, absolutely put some money aside, but the, the special cars, David, the ones that are the really amazing ones aren't bought with daily money. I've covered this before. They're not bought with your daily budget, your monthly budget kind of dollars. They're bought with investment dollars. The, the really expensive special cars for the really high-end rich people, that is a dividend that money. came yeah. through yeah. for that year. At the end of the year, something happened in the, you know, the mutual funds, they reshuffled their funds and sold this and, you know, bought some new ones here and they just kicked off a whole bunch of capital gains. Oh, I've got a couple hundred thousand in there. I should go buy a fun car. That's the kind of money those cars are bought with. Yeah. It's not the, okay, well, we've got mortgage, rent, food, you know, budget, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not where those cars come from. But I want you to experience that in your life. And the only time you're able to do it is to start now. Yeah. I didn't start at 25. Mm-hmm. I tried to mm-hmm. muddle through, but I wasn't making enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And I wasted my money on a 928 then. <laughs> on the other hand, it wasn't a waste because say, yeah. that just changed my life. Yeah, just true. You know, working on it, you know, driving it, experiencing it, my love for Porsche and just cars in general growing from there. So it wasn't for me, but nevertheless, I want you to, to really have a good balance and feel like you're coming away with a good balance. It's all good stuff. And David, I get the sense from you and everything you're talking about here and the fact that the ministry of finance is saying spend money. When does that happen? That you are (laughs) saving money on the stone. You are naturally conservative with your cash. Yeah. And I, I want to encourage you here because, yes, you, you, you're also not blowing out your savings. You're talking about you, – you practically gave us account numbers. Like I said, you, you're telling us how much money you're holding back, all that kind of thing. I want to encourage you to go out and get one of these two cars. I am kind of leaning Fiesta for you because I, you keep talking about it more and because we have heard – very good things about the i20N. We like the inline from Hyundai on everything. Yeah. They've, we've done. We've driven the i30N. It was very, very good. I have no reason to think that won't be fun, but I have only heard stellar things about the current Fiesta. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is a standout kind of discussions from Tom Hilmanzik to Chris Harris to everybody that I respect over there that's driven it just won't shut up about how great the Fiesta is. And since you're talking about not liking the facelift, I don't love the fact that your girlfriend has a Fiesta and you all have a Fiesta ST. I don't love that. But this feels like a moment in time car that you could reach out and get, which is phenomenal. The other thing I want to, want to encourage you on is this. You've gotten to a place in life where you can go get a car and be excited about it every day. That is, this is the title of our show. Yes. So I've got to back your play there, and I totally encourage you here. But I want to encourage you one other place. You are not saying to us, I just turned 25 and I just got a good job and I'm going to go buy a Porsche. That's a good point. I'm not going to buy a loaded M2. I'm not going to go see if I can get a deal on an old exotic car. You said, I want to get a Fiesta ST because it excites me. Yeah. You know what, man? You are being very conservative. You are being very thoughtful in your money while being a car guy. And while all of us would like to have play money to have fun with, of course, most of us, most of us listening to this podcast, it is the budget line item. Can I get another $100 a month out of my budget to get the more fun thing than the less fun thing? Mm -hmm. That's the reality, man. I get it. You're living there already. You're thinking about it already. Of course, this is a car podcast, not a financial podcast, so I'm going to say buy the car. Spend money. But I want to very much encourage you in the fact that you are looking at this with a surprisingly adult perspective. It's not like, woohoo, let's buy something crazy. True. It's a Fiesta ST. And what's great is that will be crazy fun to drive, but you also bought a Fiesta. 
And it lights you up, David, which is yes. fantastic. My other That's thought so for you here, David, is um, the Civic. And I can't quite tell if the 11th generation SI would be available in Europe. Mm. The Honda website there in Germany is only updated as of this recording with the Civic and the Type R. I don't know if the SI was ever a, a particular, particularly focused on Europe. And so I'm, I'm not quite sure if the SI is coming to Europe. That would mm-hmm. be a nice alt to investigate because it's right in the sweet spot of your budget as well, just as a, a different alt. But what's cool is all, all these companies, Renault, Peugeot, Nissan, Honda, they're all always trying to one-up each other for the world's fastest ring time with front-wheel drive cars. <laughs> yes, for sure. And that yeah. trickles down to more than anybody in Europe, to, to buyers in Europe. And so that Fiesta, I, I'm with Todd, that Fiesta, all we hear about is just how does this thing exist? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ford's business model in North America does not include those cars anymore, David. Nope. And the fact that you've got a chance to own that car and it is so brilliant and they kept it going for another generation. Brilliant. But I fully back you. I, yes, you are coming into this with your eyes wide open, mm-hmm. being clear about it. So yeah, have fun, but you know, be, be wise with that, those investment dollars, but talk to somebody early, you know, who's a, an investment professional and get that going because years from now, I want you to write us and say, Hey guys, that little nest egg that I set aside, guess what? I am buying the Porsche or the BMW or the McLaren or the whatever mm-hmm. now. And I've got a healthy down payment and got this new job and boom, you know, we're off yeah. to the races yeah, and yeah. I still have my Fiesta ST. And as far as the electric car thing, it doesn't need to be on your mind right now. I want yeah. you to, I want That's you to good. live in the moment. That's I good. want you to just enjoy this new car purchase and enjoy it every day, literally for as long as you have it. We're big fans of Haggard and you've heard us talk about Haggerty, but I don't think we've mentioned this new offering. They announced late last year, garage and social. It's like a big fun clubhouse for car lovers. Each physical location offers climate-controlled storage, complete vehicle maintenance and service, plus tons of events and experiences exclusively for their members. You don't even have to own a car to be part of this club. They've got social memberships available that give people all the perks without the storage. There are many locations already, Chicago, New York, Delray Beach in Florida, and Miami too. And they're not slowing down either. They're announcing new locations all the time. We're just waiting for the announcement that they're opening a Park City location, hopefully soon. Learn more about this exclusive car club and storage facility at garageandsocial.com. As we dive into questions, I want to touch on something real quick. We, we brushed up against the beginning of the podcast, and that is, yes, we're on Prime. No, you cannot get our stuff free on Prime. Ben Cohen is asking on Facebook, what happened? We used to be able to do that. This is an Amazon policy change. What, I'm gonna, the short version is this. Amazon has changed their policy regarding nonfiction content, documentaries. That means us, folks. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've changed their policy. Now, we are able to still be on Amazon. Sometimes they aren't even taking documentaries anymore. We're able to still be on Amazon. We're very thankful that we can be. We do have season nine up there. But one of the policy changes is they took away free prime streaming for that stuff. I don't, I'm sure they ran the numbers. I'm sure it has to do with the amount of viewership. So we are reducing the prices of all of those seasons. So you guys can have access to them as cheaply as possible, but everything season two through nine, here's the, here's the behind the scenes of why season one's not up there. One, because it was all on YouTube before it went up. And two, I noticed in the tracking, this is me being really geeky. I noticed in the tracking that people were watching season one that had never seen the show and then wouldn't watch beyond like an episode or two. Well, those episodes are old now. Sure. And by season two, we were doing significantly better work than season one. So I took season one out of availability on Amazon. 
so that when people first discover it, not you guys, you're listening, you know who we are, mm-hmm. first discover it, they discover season two and two through nine I'm very proud of. So season two through nine are all up there. They are all available. I'm sorry they're not free on Prime, but thank you for having interest. No, that's excellent. A uh, question on Facebook comes to us from Devin Brown, who asks why manufacturers insist on putting Chrome inside mm. the dash in the most opportune locations for the sun to blind him as he's cruising on a beautiful day. Well, that really does come down to usage. And what I learned as a designer, Devin, is the best designers go first to the places where the object they're designing is manufactured. That's step one. Mm. They need to see production processes first and foremost. For furniture companies, are they torturing metal into the shape of a chair? Are they using wood and teak mm-hmm. to make outdoor furniture? What are they doing? How are they making that object, whether it's mm-hmm. injection molding, whatever the process is? So you understand the materials you're going to be introducing. So you're not just laying out the materials in a design studio and saying, oh, that kind of, that textile looks good with that, you know, brush mm-hmm. stainless. And, you know, we're, we're just breaking up the, the instrument panel that the designers have given to us. So that is step one, but it's the design teams who are directly involved with those color and trim people to say, okay, here's what we're proposing. Do we think this is going to be, you know, let's get it outside the studio. Let's get it into the mm-hmm. daylight. Let's, let's really see it once we do the mock-ups. Do we think this is going to really come across and, and really give us the kind of impact we're trying to go for that is either a price point with those materials or a really higher-end look, or we're trying to do a higher-end look for very cheaply does it does it end up looking cheap or did we succeed in our goal? That's why I love Kia so much is because they're introducing textures with kind of older materials or those non-honest materials that still speak to something more luxurious. Mm, That's mm. the whole reason there's, you know, very thin wood veneer and chrome plated plastics and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, Cause yeah. it's a cheaper way of introducing what appear to be more honest materials. Mm. Aston Martin uses honest materials. The screw holds on the actual, <laughs> you know, piece of aluminum that's really built welded yes. piece yeah. of material, whatever that is. But when manufacturers don't quite, they spend too much time in the studio and they don't mm-hmm. quite evaluate it in all the lighting conditions or as much as I love VR and as much as I love virtual evaluations, mm-hmm. it's one thing to see it in virtual lighting. It's a whole different thing to see it in daylight and the way ambient light bounces around the cabin. And whoa, Q8 is a great example yes. of what we discovered yes. that did. Yeah. I spent half that test drive blind. Yeah. Yeah. If you had had this out in the sun in prototype form and just driving it around and understanding, Mm -hmm. wow, these are some really glossy, too bright surfaces. That's why I think the proliferation of piano black has gone down quite a bit Mm. because there's too many fingerprints. It's it's too shiny. It's too much for where people are touching with their hands. Mm -hmm. Let's back that off. And so I think... Hopefully design teams have gotten that all out of their systems at this at this point. But to be honest, there's sometimes screw-ups, and you can see, aha, this design team needed more evaluation before they specified that material for that part of the cabin. This should have been done differently. If, you there know, needs to be a glare filter on the VR kind thing. Of. That's not just the sexy sexy light that comes in. We need like the it's glare light. The sexy light. Where, where can we put the glare light that if it hits that surface, I can see that, oh my gosh, that hurts. That would be interesting. <laughs> 
Ted Theologan, Party on Ted on Twitter says, Tire Talk, did he see that we're putting all weather-grade Nokians on the 300ZX? Not just the 300ZX, but also Paul's Porsche 928. Indeed. Nokian has stepped alongside the cars of the past series, and they have given us their new, what are they, the... WRG4s. Thank you, the WRG4s, which are their all-weather tires for both of those cars, which is perfect, because what we're going to be doing is road trips from here in Park City to places where it's warmer over the winter. We specifically didn't want to burn through all winter tires doing that, wind up in Texas somewhere and just burn through the rubber. Mm -hmm. So Nokian said, what about all weathers? And we said, that's perfect. Now, you're very curious what's going to happen with those compared to full winter. So are we. This is part of why we're doing it. We're going to have those on on the cars through the winter and through all these road trips. So we're very excited. Nathaniel G. asks, in a world with less and less manuals being made and offered in new cars, what is mm. the next step up from a 2020 WRX? Ooh. A 2021 WRX, I think. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still offer it in that car. All-wheel drive, two series with a manual, maybe? Maybe? Uh, that's, maybe. That's, uh, maybe. That's, uh, you that's know, close. I was, I was thinking along lines of a Mini Cooper or you know, something like that. Yeah, but Mini Cooper the all-wheel four. drive problem. I mean, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I take your point. I guess the mm. Countryman or something yeah, like that. I don't know if the Countryman gets it done, but I take your point. it's all-wheel drive-ish. It's yeah. off-road. It's not designed to be a you know a full sports car, that kind of thing. But BMW, Mazda continue to offer those manuals alongside Subaru, as yeah. does Toyota. But you're right. It's fewer and far between. And that's a tough one to match, yeah. And to be honest... This is what we as car enthusiasts are going to have to either die to as far as our list of requirements or be willing to buy older Mm. because the cars are available older. Yeah. yeah, And do we want to support those and support the companies making the parts to continue, you know, keep them upgraded, keep them just OEM spec, keep them going and find places to either you know, wrench on our cars or we're doing them ourselves or do we die to that and we buy DSGs, we buy, you know, automatic transmissions that are good, but they're just not the right, quite the right spec. So that's, I think the coming divide, it's not necessarily the next car that, uh, that will supersede the WRX. It's going to be our own take and our own approach to car ownership. Becca Walker writes in on Facebook. This is a great question. How do you tell the difference between tires needing balancing or whether the car needs an alignment. For her perspective, what's the difference in feel? Now, Becca, I want to I want to be clear to the fact that there's overlap here in your sensations depending upon the car, so it's not always clear. But I will give you the clearest description of when it's one or the other. Okay, there may be there's lots of nuance in the middle. Please understand that. If you're driving along in a straight line on a straight road, and if you let go of the wheel and the car pulls one direction or the other, or you're one of those people, and we've all been there, where the only way your car drives straight is if you keep a finger pulling on one of the sides of the wheel mm-hmm. at all times, otherwise it doesn't drive straight. You need an alignment. The car's not doing anything other than just pulling the wrong way. It won't just track normally down the road. When you're buying a used car, one of the things you want to do is get up to speed on a road and let go of the wheel enough to see, does this need an alignment? Does it pull weirdly one way or the other? That's an alignment issue. Tires needing balancing, that car may travel perfectly normal straight down the road, but you will feel the wheel, especially at like 80 miles an hour, it tends to get bad. You'll feel the wheel vibrating in your hands, like bouncing up and down in your hands. One of your four wheels is bouncing, and that's transmitting through, especially if it does it in the fronts. The Lotus right, is right. Ter- worse than anything I've ever encountered in the Lotus. The Lotus is going to be fine at 50, but an out-of-balance wheel at 80 will shake you to pieces. So what you typically will feel is that that wheel is bouncing, even though the car is still going mostly straight. That's kind of how you tell. 
Mystic Negro is back. Do you see this? He's <laughs> just he's going right for the kidneys with the Track Daily Crush. He's, oh, he's right. really yeah. he's fighting hard. For you, he says Track Daily Crush, uh, nine twenty eight, Cayman, or GT three. I'll give you a second. For me, <sighs> he says Track Daily Crush three hundred ZX Elise or nine eleven GT two RS. No mercy. He has listened. Thank you, George. He's listened, and he said, all right, let's make this difficult. That is difficult. Track Daily Crush. I love GT3s, but Caymans handle better, so I'm tracking Caymans. Good for you. And I'm not letting the 928 go. (laughs) So if you can believe it, I'm crushing a GT3, keeping the 928 as the Mm. daily. This is this That's is hard to admit. This is bad no matter which way you swing it. It, <laughs> it really, really is. is just bad. That really that's hard. No mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there's that's, no mm. mercy. Um I I, <clears throat> I could argue this multiple ways. So I'm just gonna go with the first way it struck me. I could argue it multiple ways. Um no mercy. No. <laughs> no, this is oh, this is see? really difficult. He was merciless. He was merciless. I, I think I think because of accessibility, I'll answer it this way. I'm going to answer it two ways. Because of accessibility, I would say daily the 300ZX, track the Elise, and crush the 911 GT2 RS. However, however, if we're really talking about I need to go somewhere and and really like competitively track, I'm not kidding around anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then you daily the 300ZX, you crush the Elise, and you go track that 911 GT2 RS because sure, it's going to decimate. Geesh. Either way, it's uh, either way. I'm I'm now heartbroken. By the way, Mystic Negro, <laughs> thank you for that. That was that was painful. I feel terrible about myself. Uh-huh. Mod Classic Cars asked a question that a couple other people have asked around this. He said, "Who are we thanking for the sick baseline in the podcast intro?" First off, the podcast needs to be updated, and I apologize we haven't done our new season yet, but we will. I promise. That is part of the many things that we license. We go to the music licensing sites around the web, and we license music for our TV show. We also use some of that here for the podcast open. And what's funny is when the new Integra was launched, one of the opening intro pieces was the same piece as the start of the podcast because you can go to the same licensing and you can do it. What's funny is you guys actually will always send links when you find somebody else, a commercial or a launch or whatever, that finds one of those same songs we use somewhere. You're like... Hey, this sounds familiar. So it's not our stuff. Nobody's taking our stuff, but we license music, and that's how we get it done. Thank God. I am, I am music aware, but I am not music talented. So <laughs> thank God there are those people out there that post that stuff for us. Guys, thank you so much for all your support of the show. We are mm-hmm. currently, as you're listening to this, as it's getting getting released, on our road trip with the cars of the past. And so watch our social media for a lot of updates as to where those cars are yep. and the scenery. And those will be actually part of season 10, yep. debuting, I believe, January 1. Yep, first Saturday in January. Two. It's crazy. I That is a foreign word to say. We're wow. excited. But nevertheless, those are going to be part of a YouTube series as well, mm-hmm. and we're going to be driving them a lot, and we hope to see you somewhere around the country in those, you know, as we're coming to you in those cars, yeah, yeah somewhere. Yeah. But uh, keep keep uh, track of those, and then, uh, like I said, season 10 starts January 1st. Keep in mind that the next podcast, next Tuesday podcast, will have been recorded on the road, so stand by for that. That'll be an on-the-road podcast, but we will be back again next Tuesday. We hope you guys have a great weekend. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.